Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Family Life Canada podcast. It's Neil and Cheryl Josephson hosting, and we got some great friends coming in a little bit later. We're going to talk about parenting. Right off the top, though, before we get into that, we want to thank our friends at Compassion Canada. They're helping us bring this podcast to you today, and we love working with Compassion Canada. They have the same kind of heart for us as families. We focus on families in Canada and North America, and they think about families around the world, but we have the same goal. We're just trying to bring help and the hope of Jesus to every family. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Compassion Canada, for making this possible. Let's dive in. We want to talk about parents. Yeah, and parenting has never been as crucially important, nor as challenging as it is in these days of uh, in-place sheltering and isolation. There's some great, funny, funny tweets from parents these days. A couple of my favorites. One woman, whoever said the days are long, but the years are short, did not know about 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one I read from a mom this morning. What a crazy world. She says, my five-year-old just requested me to please not be so loud or crazy because she has a call at 10 o'clock with her class. <laughs> the world is changing. But underneath that humor is uh, some desperation, actually. And so we've called in, as Neil said, some experts for help. So Jim and Lynn Jackson are with us today. A few years ago, Family Life Canada, we did a survey of all the resources that are out there, and we got to know Jim and Lynn Jackson from Connected Families. And if you don't know them, you're going to get to know them on this podcast. Please go to connectedfamilies.org and learn a lot more. We love their framework. It's simple. It's helpful. And we love Jim and Lynn. So mm -hmm. they're here. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going on. And in the course of that, I hope you learn a little bit more about what they can offer every one of us who's a parent or a grandparent. Hi, you too. Great to be here. Good to have you. So now you just did a survey of 1,000 parents in your network. What were you asking these parents? Well, we we asked them the simple question, what's it like to be you? And, <laughs> and you know, at the simple, we asked five questions. We told them the survey could take less than a minute if they just did the basic part of it. And then we offered them an opportunity to make some comments. And the questions were, is your stress the same or, or more than usual or less than usual? Uh, we asked them, what are some of the top stressors? Uh, we asked them, what kind of resources are they looking for at a time like this from an outfit like Connected Families? And by the way, we got a thousand responses within 36 hours of sending this to just 35 or 3,600 people. So people were desperate to give input and to be heard. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, so we heard from a thousand within 36 hours. Yeah, it was really crazy. They just just a lot of people saying, thanks so much for asking. We yeah. just feel heard. Yeah. I need to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> yep. Exactly. What were the top five things that you heard from these parents? Well, um, you know, it was interesting because the, the segment of the group uh, really was almost roughly divided equally among people who uh, actually a little less on the, there was about 20% of the people said, you know what? We have less stress. We're doing better. We're doing at least as good, if not better, than we were doing before in terms of stress in our home. Uh, we like the break. We like the pause. We like the timeout. We're connecting. We're eating. We're praying. We're diving into God's word. Um, and then there was a group on the other end of the spectrum that said, don't talk to me about those people <laughs> because our life is out of control. About about 40 percent of the people in the survey said, um, uh, you know, our life is really out of control. Uh, 30, 30%, 30% was this out of control. We need help. We don't know if it's going to get better. At the end of that extreme, we need a lifeline or something bad is going to happen. And we know that there's families experiencing 
you know, the dynamics of a stressed home are just being being pressured from all sides, uh, and it's creating a lot of difficulties for a, a small number of families. And then, and then there's a group, you know, kind of the middle group, the the, the largest mass, is saying, yeah, we've got more stress for sure, uh, but we feel like we can adjust and manage. So, you know, that's kind of the big numbers. And then the 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 really the top three things that they said uh, is stressing them is that kids are demanding so much attention, uh, sibling conflict is off the charts, and this is you know maybe not a surprise to a bunch of people. And I'm just not cut out to homeschool. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that a lot too. Yeah, and there was there ago. was uh, we got a note from a parent that really kind of described the stress that we heard. Uh, and uh, yeah, you should read it because it'll be in the mom's voice. Yeah. It was a mom that wrote this. <laughs> I wish I knew someone who had prior experience of living through a global pandemic where two working parents are doing their hours while being quarantined in a house of young children who are in their first week of distance learning. We are on the struggle bus here. Can I just say that see, overseeing a Zoom conference with 21 preschoolers goes exactly how you would expect it to. <laughs> the second grade Google Meets meeting with a technologically challenged, ready to retire teacher doesn't go much better. Each day I find myself saying, I can't believe this just happened. And then I wake up the next day to be proven wrong again and again. Oh, Today man. there were tears from four out of five of us. Tomorrow I'm hoping to cut that number in half. Yeah. yeah. So oh, you guys, yeah. oh my goodness, that sums up, I think, the experience of a lot of parents and a lot right. of the parents that we're talking to as well. So here's a question for you. What you guys mentor, you coach parents online and, and live all the time. How do you coach parents through something like this? Wow. Well, it, you know, there's so many different realities, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the principles we live by as parent coaches all along is that we try to listen to even the most extreme of sorts of things and help parents understand, you know, what you're going through is kind of normal. <laughs> That's a lot harder to do these days because, as that note suggested, we've never been through this before. So what does mentorship look like? But we still, you know, do the best that we can to sort of moderate and normalize. You know, it's okay. I think of your mom's Jesus laugh. Oh, right. Um, whenever I, back in 20 years ago or more, um, when I would call up my mom and I would tell her, oh my gosh, the kids did this and then I did that and then they did this and then I did that. And she'd just listen in such a wonderful way and she'd go, oh, <laughs> for goodness sakes, how about that? And <laughs> after a while, I just, I said, mom, you know what? You've got a Jesus laugh. Mm. And as I recognized, you know, instead of God being up there with a clipboard going, oh, my gosh, this is the 45th time today she's lost her patience. You know, God has a Jesus laugh for us. Mm -hmm. just, this is so hard. Yeah. I get it. I have so been through it. I was homeless. I had 12 sibling conflict disciples to manage. I, you know, I had conflict left and yeah. right. I understand. And to mm. just normalize it with God gets us. And because he gets us, he can help us. And there's, you know, there's so much yeah. that we're doing well that we don't even notice. And mm -hmm. if we just lower the overwhelming high bar of expectations to a place where we could yeah. actually meet some of those expectations right. and then focus on what's going well, uh, it can just make such a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I listened, to, I, I listened to Lynn Coach, a mom this morning, 
uh, who you know has such high expectations, high achieving, used to getting a lot of stuff done, managing, juggling lots of balls. You know, it's as as you might imagine, she's struggling with that more than ever. And you know, for you to just sort of lower the lower, give this mom permission to not have such high expectations for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a huge huge thing. I I believe that's got to be part of it. Right? We have to right size. The expectations. I don't know if you all did this, but did you ever do the, you know, take your kid to work thing? Uh, yeah. So you would do it. But I mean, it was an unproductive day, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was sort of a family bonding thing. And I mean, it had some values to it. But exactly. you just kind of wrote the day off. Like, I'm not going to get a whole lot done because I've got my child or my children yeah. with me. Well, dang, now this is the reality for a lot of people every yeah. day when you're working at home as well as... T- I wonder, both from the school side and from our own expectations, what's what's fair and realistic, um, yeah. and then be at peace with that. That's that's good wisdom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I even texted all the teachers that I knew and asked for feedback on it, and they all kind of said, you know, you need to just do what's right for your family, what you can do, mm-hmm. and communicate with the teacher about it. Even let your child communicate with the teacher, yeah. so that you're out of the middle more. Yeah. So, so we're giving parents permission to talk to the school and say, you know what, too much right now. We're going to, can you help me? Can you help me help my child learn some of this stuff a different way? Cause there's fights over computer time and there's impatience and, and sitting there for that hour or whatever, you know, one at a time, it's too much. Can, can you send me something I can print and do with them, you know, at a different time? Or uh, can you at least check that they came to school today so that they are able to pass the class at the end of the year? And, a lot of schools are given a tremendous amount of grace for that mm-hmm. as long as we're communicating well as parents. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what's going on, here's our reality, here's what we need help with. I think you you touched on the the number one thing that I hear from parents is that just sort of that guilt that they're not doing yeah. enough, that they're not living up to the expectations. And there's a yeah. shame piece to that, some some parents have been telling us. And that mm-hmm. that just of course deflates you and discourages you even more in this season when we're already all a little bit shaky. Um, so you can see where this is creating a lot of anxiety. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about the sibling conflict piece. So um, that was the kind of the number two concern mm-hmm. for parents, was it? Yeah. How many parents said that was a big issue? Uh, the, the, about 40-some percent, 44%, 40, 44%, yep. And not all parents have more than one child. Really over half because because <laughs> not all the parents had siblings in the home. So. Right. right. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Big oh, deal. It's a really big now, deal. You guys happen to be real experts in how to kind of manage this sibling conflict. How would you coach parents in this? Just don't let them do it. <laughs> thanks. Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Oh, that's, why, that, that's why oh. I get paid the big bucks. But, yeah. but that's also why nobody's enlisting me to be their coach right now. So <laughs> okay, Lynn, over to you. Go after uh, this one. <laughs> well, I've just been coaching a, a, a mom out on the West Coast um, who uh, was really struggling with this. And she she saw she just had this pattern of she, she had a younger son who picked on an old, older daughter. Um, and she would go rushing in and just with with an agenda to give him a consequence because this was not OK, because mm-hmm. he would take her toy and then she'd try to get it back and he'd hit her. And that was just a classic thing. So um, when parents engage with sibling conflict like that, they're kind of taking on a role of judge or cop or I know who has the cr- criminal record here, you know, that kind of a, an attitude. And that always just 
not well extreme thinking that rarely ever works to be helpful and so it starts with what in connected families we call a shift in our foundation of what's going on with us to really put on the lens of what's the opportunity here because these relationships are my kids training grounds mm -hmm. for effective close connected relationships throughout life with whomever and so um to have that shift of, wow, what's the opportunity? And I want for my kids, you know, faith-filled, connected, close relationships, and yeah. this is my time, seize the moment kind yeah. of a thing. Um, and so she started going in as a coach instead of a cop or a judge. And that mm -hmm. shift made a whole big difference. So they developed rules for sharing and they wrote them out and they talked about them. And then, um, he, she helped her son role play and practice how to ask for a toy and then, you know, encouraged him when he did it. And so they, they just started mm -hmm. to really work proactively for this. Uh, and she said she heard her daughter the other day say, wait a minute, wait, we can figure this out. It was like <laughs> the first time they, you know, she just really engaged. We can do this. Mm -hmm. And they did. They figured it out. So. She said, I feel less like mad mom and I feel more like coach and encourager. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, and and to back out of that and just go really high level concrete for a minute. Um, it's about, you know, we go in with unsettled hearts. What do I need to do to go in with a settled heart? And do I even need to go in? You know, the research about sibling relationships suggests that it's actually healthy and normal and, and good for kids to have conflict and to learn like, like this pair of kids Lynn talked about how to settle it on their own and how to get on with life without having an adult come in and mitigate everything all the time. Um, and so we feel like because this isn't normal and we're afraid of where it's gonna head, like we get anxious and then we bring our anxiety. So now there's not two people conflicting, there's three. <laughs> uh, and we add you know, gas to the fire instead of come in with the calmness and what's the opportunity. So. Oh, is there a line though where parents need to intervene? I, I'm sure you know when there's yeah. blood involved, that would be a good point. <laughs> sure. But prior to that, is there another point where it's like, no, no, it's time for parental coaching? Yes, absolutely. If you start to see patterns of dominance, like there's a child that's regularly in the aggressor role and there's a child that's regularly in the victim role, then that shows that you've got to get engaged because that's not going to be a healthy lifelong pattern. But the the problem is parents engage with the big angry energy to squash the the more dominant or aggressive child and really what you do instead of trying to push down on metaphorically on the dominant child you lift up the mm. less dominant or weaker child and give them the minimum amount of support that they need in order to effectively be on level ground with that dominant child. Mm -hmm. So like when our uh, older son would pick on our younger his younger sister, um, initially I would go in like the cop or the judge and just make havoc and make a mess of it. But then I learned to just go in, not even really address Daniel, sometimes maybe an empathetic statement at the beginning, like this is really hard, you guys. But then I'd pick up Bethany and I'd comfort her. And then I'd begin to ask her questions about what she was feeling and what happened. And But I'd direct her to tell that to Daniel. Um, so I'd give her you know, just the question asking structure and they go, oh, okay, that's good. You figured it out. Now you tell Daniel that. Did you hear it, Daniel? Mm -hmm. Awesome. You were listening. That's so good. You guys are going to work through this. This is great. Yep. You know, and lots of encouragement of any little step to 
towards reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we would watch, uh, and we coach parents to, to watch for, and even just learn to ask this question. Do you guys need some help solving this, or do you got it on your own? Mm. A lot of noise back there. I'm trying to get some work done. You need my help right now, or can you solve it? Um, and, and, you know, to be watchful when they respond, A, that the, the dominant one isn't always the one saying, oh, no, it's fine, and then they go underground with, with their attacks. So listen for the younger person to speak up and have a, or the victim person to speak up and have a voice. Uh, and then just kind of keep an eye on that. But, you know, over time, we hear more and more parents tell us that, um, you know, when I learn to take my hands off in a way that says I'll support it if I need to, it puts more responsibility on the kids to, mm. to start solving for themselves and learn the things that they've been coached to, to, to do. And we've got a, you know, we've got a whole online course that, that spells a process through this, like, the, the typical thing is we end up on crazy mountain because we come in with our own heat and our own anger and right. our own flames. And so instead of settling things, we actually, you know, lead to the escalated, escalated to the volcanic eruptions <laughs> every day. And, and we call it crazy mountain. And, you know, it's our job to lead a process of calm, of understanding, of problem solving, of a little bit of celebration on the way to reconciliation. And little by little make a, a, a pattern out of that sort of response uh, and celebrate mm-hmm. just the smallest of victories. And we hear lots of parents talk about how helpful thinking through that process is and even teaching that process to their kids. Mm-hmm. And we, we've actually been part of that course, and it is excellent. And we would highly recommend it to anyone listening to this podcast. So we'll tell you at the end of the podcast where they can find a link to that course. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, Cheryl and I have sat in on your uh, Discipline That Connects course. Again, check out connectedfamilies.org for all these uh, resources. You guys are great coaches and and great teachers. So parents out there, uh, something that you hear on this podcast triggers you, uh, please check it out because there's a lot more wisdom. And and it takes a while to change behavior, right? I mean, uh, that's why your courses run over a number of sessions and over a longer period of time. I mean, we can identify the stress in the home or the sibling rivalry, but uh, to change these patterns, people have to be committed to, uh, to making some uh, commitment over time, right? Some change over time. Right. And then the, and the same principles apply that we've been talking about is lower your expectations. We had um, a family where two seven-year-old twins were brutally vicious physically with each other, scratching, biting, kicking, hair pulling. I mean, like several times a day. And the parents just really lowered the bar. You know, instead of rushing in with their shame, they just said, okay, girls, we want you to stay safe. We love you. We're sorry for how we've engaged with this. We just want you to find a separate spot when you start to fight. So their only goal was for the kids to just separate and calm down safely. Mm-hmm. And then they celebrated that. Yeah, and that took them uh, you know, some weeks yep. just, to, just to sort of, as parents learn to respond more calmly so that we could lead our kids to respond more calmly. We didn't even worry about the problem solving and, and you know, let's get the apologies right and you know, let's do all of that stuff. It was just, let's let's hang out on this calm rock for a while until we feel pretty good about that. And, you know, interestingly, as, as, as the parents learned that, then they're modeling a whole new thing for the kids. Mm-hmm. And then over, again, weeks and even months, the kids start to pick it up. And now some years later, you know, those twins are best friends and they run little businesses together. And it's really a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Can we talk for a few minutes about sort of the, the dynamic of this pandemic? Um, 
which is creating some stress, obviously, for parents, as we've been talking about, some fear as well, lots of financial stress in couples and in, in families. So there's lots of extra things coming to play. How, uh, and, uh, and of course, kids pick up on this, how transparent should we be with our children about mm-hmm. our own fears or our own concerns? Mm-hmm. And then, and then how do we talk to them about that in a way that doesn't accelerate their anxiety? Yeah. 81% of Canadians have said that their mental health has deteriorated in this crisis. And 32% have said it's, it's very negatively affected them mentally, yeah. uh, their mental health. It, it's a big deal for parents. Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal for parents. It's a big deal for non-parents. I mean, Lynn and I, you know, we're wrestling through this every day, and and you know, we're we're sort of headed toward those years when you're going to live on that nest egg that's you know falling apart right before our very eyes. And so, <laughs> you know, the 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 issue really is, uh, you know, there's parents. And we hear parents ask all the time. Should I let my kids know about my stress? I reflect on the movie Life is Beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, here's a dad who just pretty much protected his son from the stress of what was really going on and made up a whole pretend thing in hopes that someday, you know, it would be over and the child wouldn't have to bear all of this trauma. And, you know, in the movie that worked, uh, I think in real life, uh, I, I think there needs to be a place for us to be authentic because for me, for you, for anybody who's a parent, you know, especially for those of us who, who really want to follow after Jesus and, and, and receive Jesus' love and be defined by what the Bible says is true about us, um, this is a hard time to do that, but it's doable. Uh, it's been done. You know, the Apostle Paul from prison said, I've learned the, the secret of being content. And so uh, it wasn't something just learned one day. It was a process. And, and so how do we live our process of learning and growing into God's love that's unconditional and there in every circumstance in a way that our kids can see it and, and see us wrestling with it? And, and you know, I, we only can imagine now because we don't have children in the home. But, um, you know, I, I'm imagining if our kids were in the home that I'd be saying things almost every day like, boy, I'm just really just really clinging to believe that God is with us in this because things didn't go well or because, you know, our, our, the, what I thought was the blessing of, of financial security is, is uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard right now. Well, daddy, does that mean we don't have any money to do stuff? <sighs> no, not, not right now. But, um, you know, it, it may mean that we're going to have to be more thoughtful about how we're spending our money uh, and what kinds of stuff we're getting and let, come on over here, buddy. Sit on my lap and let's let's. Uh, would you pray with me about that? Or, or you know, maybe there's a, a passage in Philippians chapter four. I used to love to go to Philippians four, just read it. But it's you know, it's about authenticity. It's about being real. It's about uh, you know, at a level. Now, I'm not going to sit there and show my kids the you know how six numbers just went to five or whatever, because <laughs> <laughs> that's too much stress or pain for them maybe to understand or or to bear. But so there's judgment, there's discernment, there's Holy Spirit intervention that gives me guidance and wisdom for this. And I think it's important too for parents to um, to talk through how they've overcome stuff in the past. Yeah and how God has gotten them through difficult things in the past. Um, so that you can begin to build a family identity of overcomers. Cause that's really, kids will read your stress by, or they'll read the danger of the situation by how anxious you seem to be. So mm-hmm. you authentic, but then if you're like, 
but you know what? I, I overcame this and I overcame that. And this is how God got me through this situation. And when you can talk like that, you know, it, it builds a, a sense in the whole yeah. family that we can get through this mm-hmm. and it's big enough to get us through this. And it might be really hard, but, um, uh, you know, I think a helpful concept for, for parents to pass on to kids and for kids to understand is that we grow more when things are hard. And a simple analogy for kids is, do you think your muscles grow bigger if you could ride downhill all day long or if you were pedaling uphill all day long? When do you think your muscles are going to get bigger? Any child would know I'm going to get big muscles when I'm pedaling uphill. And then just to make that analogy of we're all pedaling uphill here, aren't we? This is hard, but this can make us a stronger family. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how we've been really strong in some of these difficult situations and then focus on what the little things that are going well and how people are overcoming in little ways. Good, 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 good. So can you tell us if, are there any sort of danger signs that we should really be alert to um, in this season? Any kind of new behaviors that we spot in our children that we should just be alert to in, in this season? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had some coaching clients uh, talk about increased anxiety in their children. Um, and it often doesn't look like the child isn't going to come up to you and go, mom or dad, I'm just very highly anxious about the implications of this pandemic. Right. <laughs> you know, the brains aren't going to work this way. So this one little guy developed this irrational fear of yeah. blueberries and he would run screaming from the, from mm-hmm. the dining room table uh, if there was blueberries on the table. So he's just extroverting. Like we like the term outburst because it's bursting out what's inside and just finding sort of a, a target to, to focus that mm-hmm. on. So if you think about our brains, we are in the most danger when we are alone, afraid, and confused. So our brains naturally want to flip that. And when we're in fight or flight, our brains actually um, let off um, oxytocin, the bonding chemical, to drive us to go get someone else to be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so our kids want they they'll act out for attention they'll be demanding they'll do something to bring us in with them um, and then instead of afraid they're going to look like they're angry um, but that's that fear coming out in big yeah. ways uh, and then you know they're going to tend to instead of being confused like i really can't identify what's going on with me they're going to lock onto something like the blueberries no blueberries at the table um, you know, or whatever, and make their anxiety be about that one thing that's expressing the best they can, their anxiety. Yeah, I think most of the children who are, you know, I think most of the children are experiencing stress, uh, anxiety, uh, and um, discouragement over various aspects of this whole thing. There's grief happening, there's there's not being with my friends. There's, you know, all these things. So it's normal for all the kids to be at these sort of extreme places. And and most children have not learned, as Lynn said, to be super crisp about what's going on inside so that they can deal with it and, and make plans to solve it. But are we looking for extreme examples of, out, you know, angry outbursts from a child that didn't usually have hardly any? Or are we seeing... Um, 
um, you know, excessive quietness and cloistering from a child who's been, you know, quite extroverted. Uh, are, are we are we seeing, you know, I just want to sleep all the time, or are we seeing uh, just constant complaining about boredom and obsession about screens like never before? I mean, <laughs> and screens is quite an issue right now because screens uh, uh, has been translated in this new age more than ever as babysitter. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute, actually, because that is one of the questions we get a lot from parents is, you know, how much how much screen time is too much screen time? And it strikes me that there's different ways we can use screen time and kind of identifying, you know, is it being used as a babysitter? Is it being used as an escape uh, that yep. kind of identifying how the screen time is being used by your child might help? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it is tough because so much is required for homework and then kids can easily right. sort of get distracted and slide into that mm -hmm. other, um, into entertainment stuff. Just so, the children do that, just not the grown-ups. No. <laughs> I never see you on YouTube in between emails, do I, honey? Stop that. <laughs> so the, the first step is just to, to, again, lower the bar of expectation, expectations and go, yep, our screen time is probably going to be a little out of control now. And that's okay. When the schooling ends, we can do a reset. Um, no one's a bad person because mm -hmm. our kids are getting too much screen time. So starting from that sort of more peaceful place yeah. um, is really helpful. Well, the other thing that I think about is like, you know, we talk about this, uh, is this an escape right now? Or is this the babysitter right now? If I, as a parent, if, if there's something that I got to get done by eight o'clock tonight and and I know that if I allow my child on the computer, which I also know is a bad thing for them at this time of day, and I ought not do, but I just need to do it because I got a deadline that I got to meet and there's lots of people depending on it. I may just say to my child, you know what? Um, do, do you need a little escape? Or uh, could I use the computer for a babysitter for a little bit until I get this project done? Just and name just it. Say out yeah. loud, be <laughs> yeah. aware, first of all, uh, and then say out loud how, how this is different than usual. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so that you and your kids and everybody knows this is not the norm. This is not how it's always right. going to be. But I'm getting a little extra permission to use the computer because dad needs a babysitter right now. And by the way, I did see your Facebook post at about 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, one of the many, many things I love about what you guys teach is you have this really beautiful, profound, simple framework for parenting and the foundation piece is am I safe, right? That the foundation of, of uh, how we parent and what we can offer our kids is am I safe? Or or on the positive side, you are safe with me. That, that strikes me in this day, we talked about kids' stress, our stress. This is really important message, right? So I'd love to have you, what things have you learned and you coach people? How do you build that sense of I am safe here? Because it yeah. seems like we really need that right now. Well, and that's, you know, the thread that's weaving between everything that you're hearing us say right now is this foundation that we build as people, not just as parents, but as people. And it's a foundation of, of growing into an understanding of God's purposes for us, God's love for us, God's grace for us. Because if I can be a receiver of those things, then I can more effectively spill out that stuff into the relationships that I have with the people around me, my children, my wife, my coworkers, my neighbors. Uh, and so building a foundation uh, of, of um, growth in my understanding of God's grace and truth is uh, it's for all people for all time. Mm 
Uh, and then what we've seen is that when parents do this work, they communicate the message to their kids as a byproduct of that, that, they, that the children are safe. I'm safe with mom and dad because they're they're under God's grace and they're growing and they're authentic and they're not perfect, but they're working it. Uh, and, and then we grow out of that, you know, into the rest of the relationship with our kids where we connect with them so they know their love no matter what, where we kind of win the, so out of those two places of, of uh, building a foundation and connecting with my kids and communicating the message, you're safe and you're loved, you know, that wins us sort of the credibility, if you will, in our kids' minds and hearts. To, to hold them accountable for the lives they've been given and the skills they've been given and for learning the important lessons of life by coaching them and by correcting them when they're off track. But it's, it's, a, it's a matter of our love for them. So even when I correct you, I'm gonna work at that safety part and I'm gonna work at that love part. And then I'm gonna remind you of what you're capable of uh, and communicate the message you're, you're capable. And then I'm gonna hold you accountable to make right what you've made wrong. You are responsible for your life, for your actions, and I'm, I'm here to help you learn that. Hmm. So one of our kids struggled a lot with screen time. And this framework actually helped us through that challenge. Because when we were just focused on correction and, you know, limiting his time and the, the conflict just escalated until the point where we're putting a lock on the computer room door and <laughs> all that. And then one day we come home and he's sitting on the couch flicking his school ID going, I've already broken into the computer room, played my games and locked it back up for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then we knew we really needed to approach this differently. Yeah. Well, and the message, the big message we got from that is you can't control me, mom and dad. You can, mm. you, you might think that you're able to control me, but you can't. Yeah. So can you give us in two minutes <laughs> sort yeah. of the process you walked through? Yeah. So we went to our foundation of we've got, we want to send a message to him. You're safe with us. We are for you, not against you. And then we went to connect and just told him how much we loved him and valued him. And then the coach principle was really the most important where we said, we just recognize we've been trying to control you, but we're worried about how screens are impacting your God-given gifts of creativity and initiative and, you know, all these things that, that we see God could use. So we want to come alongside you and really invest in that. And then we bought a camera. We let him use our video camera. We did all sorts of things that, that promoted the use of his gifts to be, a, you know, to experience three-dimensional life in the full and be a blessing to others. And that just totally turned it around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great example of how that framework comes to play. So, I mean, this is the core of what you guys teach and how you coach. And uh, people, check out connectedfamilies.org uh, for the framework and, and so, so much more. And if I'm right, your sibling conflict course, you're offering that right now for whatever people can pay, right? You know this is a big deal and uh, yeah. you want to get it out there. So, like, whatever people can pay, they can come and take the course, right? Yep. Suggest a donation of any amount beginning at a dollar. And yeah, honestly, fair enough. If, you can't, if you don't have any money in your bank account or don't want to use a credit card to pay a dollar, we'll give it to you. The, the goal is to just yeah. get it out there in people's uh, so they can use it. Good for and you. And that, that offer is uh, going through the month of May. It'll end June 1st. Good. Yeah, okay. Crucial time for that conversation. We'll have a link to your, your website and to this course, a uh, sign-up course, um, on ours at familylifecanada.live. And uh, we'll make sure that we get the word out through our networks as well. 
I have one more little thing that we'd like to offer parents, and that's um, it's called 60 Creative Ways to Get Your Kids Moving and Laughing. And nice. a huge piece of all of this is the cabin fever and the, the drop in serotonin levels from all the stress and the less activity. So that's just something that we put together for parents. It's adapted from a therapy clinic that I worked at specifically for this purpose. So we'll put that link in there as well. Oh, that, that's genius. And you know what? We're looking for tools. So I, the, what I take away from this, I mean, we're grandparents and, and, uh, but for the people that are parents and actively raising kids, let's right size their expectations. Let's be gracious to each other. Let's be gracious to our kids and let's take the help where we can get it. These 60 ideas from connected families, check out the course and, uh, we're going to make it. And, and what's really critical, right, is that when this is done and we look back on these moments, these months with our kids, wouldn't it be great to have people say, man, we did that together, didn't we? We made that together, didn't we? And that's possible. And that's what we want for you. And that's why we brought you this podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please, let's stay in touch. Thanks, Jim and Lynn from Connected yes. Families. Thank you. Thank God you. Bless you. Go. Yeah, great to be with you again. Bye for now, everybody.